All right, well, we've been in a series the last few weeks from Luke 4 where Jesus preached his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, junior church, you guys can go. You guys can go, yeah. Thank you, Sarah. And I love you kids. I love you guys' dancing this morning, too, by the way. It said the Bible says even children know when to dance. Uh, they challenge me sometimes because I like <laughs> Remember he said, they played the flute for you. I did this and that, but you didn't dance. But the children, the wind to dance. So Amen. see you guys. So we've been in a series last few weeks on from Luke 4 where Jesus shared his first sermon in his hometown of Nazareth. And we know it didn't go really well because they tried to kill him. Yet he did exactly what the father told him to do. Amen. So for the last three weeks, we've been looking at this message of what Jesus risked his life to share with us. And we're going to read this together in Luke 4, 18 through 21. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, if you picture Jesus in the room, and he's reading from this text, which is Luke 4, but he's reading from Isaiah 61, and he's telling you that he is the anointed one, anointed to do all of these things, I think we'd be getting pretty excited, wouldn't you? And he said, today, that scripture has been fulfilled in our hearing, back then, and it's still fulfilled today. So we see six things he says he's anointed to do, preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We've looked at three of these already. Today we're going to look at how he is anointed to proclaim and preach recovery of sight to the blind. Now, you may be wondering, is this talking about spiritual blindness? Is this talking about physical blindness? And I want to say yes. Right. It's talking about both. Because it's Jesus, and he did both. He's anointed to do both, to, rec- to proclaim liberty to people that are blind physically and people that are blind spiritually. I remember one of the, fir- the first, per- per- first person that Jordan prayed for in Brazil years ago, in 2013, I think, we were at the big crusade, Colosseum, there was like 40,000 people there. The first lady, him and Jessica Brendel prayed for, the lady was 100% blind in one eye, 90% blind in the other eye. Uh, I think she was colorblind. I mean, she had a lot of issues going on. And they prayed for her, and boom, boom, instantly both her eyes were open. And she's reading across the soccer field, the, the billboards on the wall on the opposite side of the field. He's still healing eyes today. I remember one night in youth, we had three or four eyes healed, and one of them was healed of colorblindness. Do you remember that, Peyton? I don't remember who it was, but someone was healed of colorblindness. I didn't even know that was a thing. Was it Aaron Henry? Okay. So uh, he's still in the healing business today, Amen. And so uh, I'm going to focus more on the, the emotional and the spiritual healing of this, uh, but he also does heal blind eyes. And in the original text, we saw, we read from the New King's Version, New King James Version, it said, recovery of, what did I say, New King something? King's Version. <laughs> King's Version. He's a new, <laughs> Jesus Version. No, just kidding. But um, recovery of sight to the blind, and in the older manuscripts say, release from darkness or the opening of the eyes. For prisoners, so the wording here refers to uh, uh, being locked up in a dungeon and set free and coming into the light, but also can be described as someone that was blind receiving back their sight. 
In either way, Isaiah 61 spoke of releasing from darkness and the opening of our eyes. And many ancient Jewish uh, manuscripts and theologians believed it was talking about blind people. Now, to say that in Isaiah 61, when back then, as far as we know, no one was ever healed of blindness back then until Jesus came around, that was something because they believed what it said. And that's what we're supposed to do, too. So Isaiah 42 says a similar thing to Isaiah 61. It says, To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. So there's this connection between blindness and being in a prison. Yeah. Okay, there's a connection there. Spiritually, there's a, a blindness of being in prison, but also there's the physical blindness. So imagine for a moment that you were blind, physically blind. Okay, Imagine how difficult that would be to live your life. Never to see the mountains, never to drive the Blue Ridge Parkway and the leaves are changing or something, or Grandfather Mountain and just look out like, whoa, like Wiseman's View or something, like, whoa, God made this. Never to see that, never see the ocean or a sunset or freshly fallen snow or how the, how the sunlight sparkles off of frost fresh in the morning. Like just to never see those things and never see your friends. To never see your wife or your husband or your children. Never even see yourself. You don't even know what you, just, you look like. You know how weird that would be? Um, everywhere you look would be total darkness like all the time, 24-7. <clears throat> and you'd be totally dependent on those around you to help you, to, to lead you by the hand, take you here and there. You could never drive yourself. You couldn't drive yourself to the mall. You couldn't drive yourself to the grocery store. You couldn't go hunting, which is like... I mean, this rifle season starts tomorrow because you couldn't see the deer to shoot unless someone really can coach you really well, move it, you know, that kind of dangerous. But you, your life would be so limited because you couldn't see. I mean, if I had to pick between blindness and deafness, I think I'd pick deafness because it, I couldn't imagine going through life and not being able to see. And if that wasn't hard enough or bad enough, this limited life, You'd be constantly bumping into things or tripping on things because somebody forgot to push the chair in or one of your kids left their shoes in the living room or forgot to put them away and you're tripping and falling over them. You would just be so limited to your experience. You'd be a prisoner in your own body, not able to know where you're going and there was nothing really you could do about it. It'd be terrible to be blind. It'd be terrible. But God is comparing these blind prisoners to a certain group of people, isn't he? Who is a certain group of people that he's comparing physically blind people to? The lost, right? The lost, people that are lost. Uh, he calls lost sinners, calls them blind, he calls them living in darkness, unable to see where they're going. In Proverbs 4, 19, it says this, The way of the wicked is, is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So to be physically blind would be terrible. But to be spiritually blind is, is terrible too, and even worse, especially in the long run. But sadly, it's for those who are lost, the unsaved, they're going through life, they're blind, they're stumbling on things, they're, they're stumbling over the stumbling stone, they're getting offended, they're getting whatever, and they don't even understand what they're upset about or what, that they're even blind. But the good news is that Jesus is anointed to preach to them. He's anointed to proclaim liberty to them. The one that you, you think is in the darkness the most, the one that can't, you just, that guy has never seen light in his life or whatever. That guy, Jesus is anointed to preach liberty to the captives. He's liberty to those that are blind, recovery of sight to the blind. And God is the type of God that will leave the 99 to go after that one. He'll do it. It's who he is. Luke 19.10 says this, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, do you know who he said that to? He said that to Zacchaeus. 
who was the wee little man. You remember that? <laughs> and, uh, but he was also a, lo- a lost tax collector that nobody liked because he was overtaxing. But after he one encounter with Jesus, he wasn't lost anymore, was he? Right. He was found. Yeah. So when people are lost, they need help. Yep. You know, some of you people that are younger, that you don't uh, even know what life was like before GPS was around. You don't even know. You wouldn't even know how to, if someone dropped you off in the middle of nowhere without your phone and without some kind of GPS, you wouldn't know how to get to Newland. I mean, because you, you need a map. And we used to have to use maps, just so you know. <laughs> we, had to, we had to buy these maps of the local town or the city, or we'd have to get this Rand McNally the atlas of the whole North America thing. When we're driving from Canada to go all the way to South Carolina, wherever we're going, we had to get some maps. And the problem with these maps is they put out a new one every year. Like You think, well, that's just a money racket. They're just trying to make more money. But the problem is when they update the roads, it's not in your new map, and you're going the wrong way. Or all of a sudden, you're like, what happened? This was been right for 20 years. All of a sudden, there's a new road, and they made a detour. Uh, and sometimes, so you guys might not know this, you actually had to stop and ask people for directions when you didn't know where you were going. Usually, you pick a gas station or something like that. But, uh, and sometimes, we found that people just either were directionally challenged, or they, they just enjoyed telling you the wrong directions. I, I got to confess, I did that before <laughs> growing up. I told someone the wrong way, and I, I reaped it myself back in, uh, in, uh, in, in Quebec. There's people, uh, that, uh, what can I say? Um, there's, a, there's a saying about the French, and sometimes it's true. But they, they, uh, they didn't like it if you wouldn't speak English, and they would intentionally pretend like they didn't know English, even though they did know English. They wouldn't tell you. And they, I remember we were stopping, we were with me, and they told us the wrong way. Like, there's no way. They just told us the wrong way. But we need, when you're lost, you need somebody who's going to tell you how to get to where you're trying to go, right? Because you haven't been there. And it's just like the people are all around us. They are lost they have no idea how to get to where they're trying to go. And they need somebody who's going to tell them how to get there. Right. You know, I remember one time when our kids were little, Micah asked me, he said, uh, Dad, what does GPS stand for? And before I had a chance to answer him, he was like, guide people somewhere. I'm like, I was like, yeah, was like, that's not right, but I, I like that. Actually, it is guide people somewhere. You know? And we need to be guiding people somewhere because if we don't tell them where to go, they're going to go nowhere. They're not going to make it. And if we don't show them the way, they guide people somewhere. And God has anointed us to guide people somewhere into this life, in this life with Christ. Amen? Because Matthew 15, 14 says this, Leave them, they are blind guides. If, a blind, if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a pit or to a ditch. So if a blind person is being led around by another blind person, eventually they're going to fall into a hole. They're going to fall in some kind of ditch. So this person can say, I know this and I know that. But if they don't know the Bible, if they don't know Jesus, they're totally blind. They're being led by other blind people. And they're going to fall and get hurt. And you know, when you walk around in darkness, when you can't see, you're blind. Eventually, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I mean, you're, if you can't see, eventually you're going to get hurt. I remember years ago, my dad, was, uh, when we were in Canada, he, he stayed up late watching a hockey game, probably the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'll say that because we have some more Canadians here now. Thank you guys for building the Canadian. <laughs> well, I know you don't like the Leafs, but anyway, they were playing somebody, probably your team. But <laughs> anyway, um, the, he was watching the Leafs, mom had already gone to bed, and he, he was getting late, and so uh, 
just like here at the church, before we had the renovation, our light switch was at the bottom of the stairs, and there wasn't one at the top of the stairs. So I remember as a kid, I used to have to flick it off at the bottom and then run up the stairs as fast as I could and dove into bed before the boogeyman got me or something like that. I mean, I would just go as fast as I could. But I remember this night, Dad walked up the stairs. He wasn't afraid like I was. He walked up slowly. You could hear this thump, thump, thump going up the stairs. And then he's trying to be quiet to get to our his bedroom and he's getting, as he's getting closer he's getting he can't see he's got the light off and he's feeling for the door and he's feeling for the door he's getting closer and closer all of a sudden bam and the door goes right between his hands it hits him in the forehead hits his nose his nose is bleeding he was trying to be thoughtful and considerate and not wake up my mother but he woke up everybody after that I mean the nose is bleeding oh man because you can see stars in the, in the dark you know that when you, hit, when you hit somebody you really can I remember Holly and I one night we just only time it ever happened we somehow rolled over the exact same moment in the night and bam we banged heads and I was seeing stars I didn't even know what day it was I was like what happened uh, but when you're walking around in the dark you can get hurt can't you uh, I remember um, for me one time was, uh, when I was in college, I was playing basketball and before practice I went in early to practice dribbling. So I put a blindfold on. It was only one friend there with me, my friend Peter, and I said, like, "You got to watch me now because if I get, if I don't if I lose focus, I could run right into the wall." He goes, oh, "I don't worry, I got you, I got you." I'm like, "Okay." So I had the blindfold on and I started going going through slow because you're supposed to try to feel for the ball, not look at the ball. So I'm dribbling through my legs and going back and forth like that. And I start doing some spin moves and stuff like that, and going slow. And after a while, I'm like, okay, there's the wall. I'm kind of pacing how many steps I got at the end of the gym. And after a while, I started going faster, spinning and crossing over and stuff like that. And I got totally lost of where I was in that room. I was totally just focused on feeling the ball in my hand and not looking down at the ball. And all of a sudden, wham, I ran right to the wall, right in the face. My nose just fell on the girl like, oh, my gosh. And I look up, took the blindfold off. My friend's rolling around the floor crying, laughing at me. And then, then right then, the rest of the team get there like, what happened? I'm like, oh, you don't want to know. But, of course, he told them. But uh, when you're running around in darkness, you can get hurt. I got another one. Um, they're funny stories. They're funnier when it happened to my dad than it was that happened to me. <laughs> but uh, I was working at a camp, Camp Sebago in Maine years ago. And uh, we, I, I like doing pranks. If you guys don't know that about me, I like pranking people. Good pranks, creative pranks, not anything damaging, just creative stuff. And so we were going to prank this one kid. We kind of didn't like him, but he didn't need to know that. But, um, but anyway, we, we were going in late at night. It was like 1 or 2 in the morning. And we were going to tie this guy up. He was from Britain, just so you know. And uh, we were going to tie him up by the ankles and pull him up in the rafters and just push him and let him hang there for a while. Then we we're going to come back and get him after a while. So there was only four or five of us in there. We were doing that. And anyway, um, it was funny. It was, I thought it was funny. He didn't think it was funny. The guy started crying like a little girl. And he was like, come on. He, he thought we were going to beat him up and stuff. Or I don't know what he thought. He was really scared. So we, everyone ran off and left me and my friend there alone. We couldn't lift him after that. I couldn't, couldn't get him in the like, by myself. So we had to leave. We had to leave. <laughs> and uh, uh, we see the flashlights coming. Like, oh, no, it's night patrol looking for people out of the room and stuff. So we start... Take everyone scatters, going back to the room as fast as they could. And uh, I ran out. I didn't want to get caught because if you get caught, you had to do dishes the next day. And you had to do them for who knows how long. So I'm running out the back door, going as fast as I could. Next thing you know, I hit this clothesline right, right under my nose. And it literally lifted me off the ground by my nose. And I land on my back. I'm like, oh, what just happened? I'm just on the ground. So my plan of, wasn't just my plan, my plan to hurt that guy really backfired on me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but when people walk around in darkness, they get hurt. 
you know, in broad daylight, I would never have ran that clothesline as fast as I could. I would not have tried to pivot that thing with my nose and see how, I could, how far I could go. And if I didn't have a blindfold on, I would never would have ran into that concrete wall because that really hurt. And my dad, I know if, if he would have had lights on, he would never have ran into the door. It doesn't feel good. So, but when people can't see what's in front of them, they can't see, they're going to bump into things. They're going to get hurt. And the people are hurting all around us. And they don't have light. They, they need somebody who's not blind to come along beside them and take them and show them the way. Because Jesus is the way. In Isaiah 9, 2, it says this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of dark, deep darkness, a light has dawned. Who's that talking about? It's always the right answer, don't worry. It's, yeah, it's Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's always, Old New Testament, it's always talking about him, okay? John 12, 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. John 8, 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the anointed one, and he's anointed to tell us the way to live. Show us how to live. Walk in this ways. So he's anointed to proclaim recovery of sight to people that can't see where they're going and tell them the right way to go, tell them how to get there. And he's anointed to restore vision and bring clarity to help us get on the right path in life. So Jesus is anointed to help those who are living in darkness and bring them into the light so they can truly see. The problem is many people don't know that they're blind. They think they can see. They think they have this revelation. They understand this or that. But they don't understand that they are blind. And they are, the Bible says, blind. They are naked. They are lost. And they need a savior. They need someone to tell them. In 1915, uh, two teenage boys became lost in total darkness in the Linville Caverns. You guys ever go to Linville Caverns? You might know this story. While they were fishing in a nearby stream, they noticed the water going under these rocks. So they started following the water around. They found this entrance to the cave. They went in this cave that had been previously discovered about 100 years before that. But fast and these boys ventured deeper into the cave with only one little uh, oil light uh, lantern with them, uh, which I definitely would have wanted to do and go in there and see how far you get. And what you, what you're gonna, maybe there's treasure in here. Who knows? You know, they're looking around. But one of the boys, the story goes, one of the boys tripped and he fell. And when he did, the, his lantern broke. And all of a sudden, it went totally dark. Couldn't see anything. Now, how many of you ever been in Linville Caverns before? So about half, maybe more than half. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. You really can't. They turn off the light, no one, and no one has their phone on. You can't see anything. And, it's, and so these boys instantly, when that light broke, we're in total darkness. These boys realized, they, we got to get out of here. It's cold in here. They had no food. They, so these boys uh, were feeling for the water. They realized when they went in, the water was against them. So they tried to flow with the water. They put their hand down, reaching for the water, trying to find the way out. But it was so dark, and it was so... Uh, unstable ground, on level ground, not a clear path. It took them over two days to get out. It was only 800 feet they had to go. It took them over two days to get there. When they got out, they had all kinds of bumps and scratches and cuts. They both had hypothermia, but they were alive to tell the story, weren't they? You know, there's people all around us that are lost, they're falling, they're tripping, they're blind. We, we look at them, we judge them, and we think like, oh, why don't, don't they know better? Don't they know any better? Why are they living like this? Or why do they believe this? Or why are they doing this? And guess what? They don't. They are lost. They are completely in darkness. And until we introduce them to the light of Jesus Christ, 
there is not going to be real significant change in their lives. Amen? Now, it's easy for us to judge because we've came out of darkness, but you have to also remember we once lived there. We weren't born saved. I don't know if you were born in church. You still weren't born saved. No one's born saved. You have to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. First uh, Peter 2.9 says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own people, special people, that you, were, you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. We weren't born that way, but he called us out of darkness into the light. Ephesians 5 says this, uh, 8 through 16, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it says, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. How do we come out of darkness? With a light. You know, sometimes we get so fascinated or impressed with darkness, we see it in the news, we see what's going on. All it needs is one flashlight. Those boys with one flashlight, it would have taken them two days to get out. It would have taken them, you know, 10 minutes maybe, maybe less than that. Light is always going to overpower darkness. We don't have to pray and fast like, oh, I hope my light works. No, your light will work. Your light will shine if you shine it. It has, but it needs to be shined in a dark place. So, so uh, Psalm 119 and 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So the word there is likened to a lamp or a candle that helps you see where you're going, you know, close by. But the word light, which is light for my path, is actually the same word that God said when he said, let there be light. And that's talking about broad daylight or sunshine. So yeah, God will illuminate your path, help you to see what's right in front of you, but it'll also show you the path of life for the long term. This is how you should live. Not just this is how to get saved and then the rest is up to you. Now he will show you how to live your life. And as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us and purifies us from all unrighteousness. It's walking with him. It isn't just reading a prayer, praying a prayer, and then just living however we want to. He actually wants us to live a certain way. You call it, some people call it straight and narrow path. So, you know, we've heard that before. But God's word will show us the way to live. Amen? And these, these his things that he tells us are not just suggestions, even though a lot of us can just take it that way. Actually, they are the way to live with, in, in the light. Okay? Now, I'm going to show you one, and you're going to all go love it. Uh, <laughs> but um, John 2, 9 and 11. I remember reading this to a friend of mine in uh, high school, and they, they didn't love it as much as you might love it, but you might not love it either. But he who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no, is no cause for a stumble in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him, blinded his eyes. So this person I was talking to, they're telling me how much they hated their brother, their, their actual brother. And I said, well, you're walking in darkness then. Don't judge me. I'm not judging you. I'm just reading you what the good book says. Right. You are in darkness. 
if you hate, because they literally hated their own brother, wishing they were dead kind of hate, not just mad at them for whatever they did. They were really angry at them. And I said, the word is the word is the word. If we want to walk in the light, guess what? You have to walk in forgiveness. Amen. Are you going to run into a door like my dad did or a wall or something else? You're going to run into something. It's not going to feel good in the darkness. So what caused their blindness uh, for these people? We just read. What caused the blindness? Darkness, right? What caused the darkness? Their bitterness. Their hatred towards a brother or a sister. If you have someone in your life that you hate, there's a part of your life where you are blinded. You are blinded. You cannot see the light. You cannot see the correct path to walk on. God can say, boom, here's what I want you to do. Like, mm, I don't even see it. I don't even know. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the bigger person. I was going to be the bigger person. Da, 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 whatever this. We're blinded by deception, by darkness. that We can't see. Even though I'm not saying the person's not saved. They can be saved, fill the spirit, pray in tongues, Pray for people to be healed and see it and still walk around in bitterness. Amen? Because people tick you off. Have you been there? Maybe I'm ticking you off right now because I'm stepping on toes. But I'm just saying, blindness is because of our own darkness. This, this type of blindness. Okay? So if we're going to walk in the light and see us in the light, we're going to have to walk in forgiveness. Jesus forgave you, right? He forgave me. And this is not the only time this is in the Bible. There's another story where it talks about uh, a prison in connection to blindness and not being able to see in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 32 and 35. It says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers or to the prison or to the jailers until he should pay back all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will do to you, you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. Okay. Do you see it? Blindness, prisoners, jail, tormentors. What happened? Unforgiveness. It's not a small thing in the kingdom. It's the whole DNA of God is for his forgiveness. The whole DNA of his love and his essence is forgiveness. Freely you have been forgiven, freely forgive. We, it is not normal. It is not natural. It's a supernatural kind of a love you can receive from the Father. And when you receive that love from God, it is much easier to give it away. It's tough to give away something you have not received. If we don't have a revelation of how much we ourselves have been forgiven, we'll be just like this guy in this story who's forgiven from $20 million and has his buddy arrested over $20. Yeah. I have no revelation of it. God wants us to walk in forgiveness. And when you don't, you're walking in darkness you're blinded, and eventually you're going to run into some kind of wall, clothesline, or something, and it's not going to feel good, believe you me, because two of those stories were mine, and my nose was never the same. <laughs> I was running fast. So anyway, um, there's a way out of darkness. It's coming to light. Come into the light. Bring your light. Bring it into the light. Jesus came to lead us out of a dark place, out of these dark prisons, so we can see the truth that sets us free. Amen? 
everyone loves this message, amen? They do love it until this one part is like this little hook, like, oh man, I don't like that part of it because I might have to actually go talk to somebody and say I'm sorry or whatever. And you know, that can go good and that can go bad. I've, I've had both where I've gone to people and said, I'm really sorry for this and that, whatever. They didn't care less. Never thought about it. I've gone to other people. They, they, they hug me and cry me. Thank you for saying that to me. That means so much to me. And one person I remember apologizing to, he didn't even remember me ever doing anything to him in his whole lifetime. He thought, he acted like I was the Pope or somebody. I was like, oh, well, that's not how I thought about you. But anyway, uh, uh, but, you know, either way, whether they receive it or whether they don't, we're still called to walk in forgiveness and love for each other, aren't we not? So he is the truth. He will never lie to us. His way is the best way. And the only way to life and peace, the only way to the Father, and that's through Jesus. You guys know this verse. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, submitting, submitting to what he's saying. Not just acknowledge it. Oh, I acknowledge that he said that. I think it means more than acknowledging that he said it. I think it's submitting to what he said. And he will make your path straight. He'll put light. His word is a lamp to your feet, a light into your path, and show you the way to go. You know, sometimes we know exactly what we're supposed to do. Just like the, just like, just like the stubborn guy was too stubborn to stop and ask for directions. He drove around two hours lost because he didn't have a map, didn't know where he was. Just like that, we can be stubborn like that, and we know exactly what we should do to make things right in a certain situation, but we won't do it. I did that last time. It's their turn. And we can be stubborn, and you know what? It's foolish. It's foolish. It's darkness. Jesus would never do that to you. He would never do that to you. He'd never walk past you and act like he didn't know you. He would never snuff you and speak to the hand. He would never do that to you. He would come up to you every time, anywhere, at the school, at the job, at the courthouse, or at, the, at the gas station. He'd come up to you and like a real friend knows you all the time because he's real. He's real all the time. So when we honor his ways, he'll keep us on the straight and narrow in his light. Amen. Amen. So there's a lot of different stuff we can go with this. Um, don't run into the walls. Have a better friend than me when you're playing basketball. I just want to tell you uh, when the wall's getting close. But if you're in darkness and you're walking around in unforgiveness and thinking that it's not going to catch up to you, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You know, and I'm not saying it to scare anybody. I'm just saying it is just the truth. You will hit something. God will cause you to trip, if nothing else, until you fall on your face and, and you, you repent of being this hardness of your heart, because hardness in our heart is connected to darkness, isn't it? Yeah. God's heart isn't hard. You don't have to pray and fast and beg God for two years for him to forgive you. Amen? He's already forgiven you before you even asked. So when we receive that, his abundant prison of grace, there'll be more grace in your life to forgive people around you. Now, I am not trying to stand here and pretend like I've got this all figured out or I, I've done everything perfectly. I'm just saying this is the word of God. His word is light. I have, this, this challenges me too, especially when I want to be mad at somebody. I, want to, I don't like that guy. I want to be mad at him. At least, at least give me a couple days, God. Give me a week or so. That guy was a real jerk. I want to do this. And he's like, no. You, he doesn't want you to let the sun go down with your family without taking care of it. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give the devil a what? Don't give darkness a foothold, a stronghold, but we do it sometimes because we'd rather be lost than sometimes stop and ask directions. And you know what it is? It's pride. 
So let me pray. Um, <laughs> if there's anybody in your life you need to forgive, I don't have anybody in mind. This is just, I'm going through this in order. Um, if you have anybody in your life you need to forgive, you need to walk through it. And God will help you do it. It's not, it's some, some people are easy to forgive because you know what? You don't really care about them too much. So their stuff they did, it doesn't hurt as much. But the people you really care about, that really hurt you deep, that really stuck it to you and it really painful, you're going to have to bring it to the Lord again and again and again and ask him to help you because it's not easy, is it? I know, it's not easy. So God, we just thank you for your word. Your word is a, a lamp to my feet. It's a light into our path. You said, here is the way, walk in it. You came to show us the way of life, true life. That life is in the sun. He who has a son has life. And so God, I just pray you'd help us to stop living in darkness when you have given us light. That we'd be humble. Hmm. Really humble. Authentic. Genuine that our encounters with you would be real, we'd really forgive from our heart, not just to look good spiritually, but really from our hearts, forgiving people that hurt us. It'd be supernatural uh, forgiveness, the way you supernaturally forgave us. We'd be able to forgive other people in our lives. God, I pray for a grace even right now to walk in the light, whatever that looks like. To also to show people that are blind how to come into the light. And for us to stay out of the darkness when we don't need to be there. I pray for a special grace to forgive one another. They wouldn't be touchy and oversensitive and quick to be offended. It would be um, like you, slow to anger and rich in love. So God, I just bless your children right now. I thank you for them. And I do thank you for your word that it's more than just um, a book about some things. It's a book of life. It is the book of life, how to live. Live like this. And so God, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.